You're welcome once again. Thank you. Okay. So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 25 today. Um, that means that we've done 24 chapters. And um, by God's grace, this is our last back to one session. Next week, you'll have 26 to 28. That's, I mean, the last the last week of Christ, the crucifixion and all those kind of things. Um, but before that, we have a very important chapter today, which is chapter 25. So um, we saw that the book of Matthew actually is um, the first recorded gospel of the New Testament. And it actually was written by Matthew, who was a tax collector. And he gave vivid account of the history of Christ and not only the history, but also the, the geography and then um, the teachings of Christ as well. Okay, and we, we, we saw that Matthew um, actually gives in-depth details about the things Jesus did and said as compared to the other um, gospel, because Matthew was a tax collector and hence he, he knew how to write very fast, so he was able to record most of the things, okay? And uh, last, I mean, I don't know whether two weeks or three weeks ago, we did Matthew chapter 24, which we described as the Olivet Discourse. Um, it's the Olivet Discourse because it was on Mount Olives. And it was a discourse on eschatology. That is the things that uh, were going to happen. And if you realized, we said that, um, when, when you are reading Matthew chapter 24, you should have two views, okay? The first view you should have was what was going to happen 40 years later, okay? And that's 40 years after Jesus gave that um, instruction. That is AD 70, okay? Something was going to happen in Jerusalem. And of course, it happened, okay? You can read about that. Okay. Sorry, um, please, my network went off, but I'm back, I'm back now. Okay, so um, we saw that in AD, um, AD 70, um, Jerusalem was destroyed, okay? And that was, that was um, a prophecy that Christ was given, okay? And um, that same prophecy is going to be fulfilled um, at, at the coming of Christ, okay? So in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples went to Christ, they asked him three questions, okay? The first question was that, um, was that when, when was his coming? When was his second coming, okay? And the second question was, what was going to be the sign of, of the end times, okay? So those were the questions that Christ was trying to address and he gave a lot of, um, a lot of scenarios, okay? And we looked at that last week. But we didn't finish the chapter 24, okay? Um, we, we, we got to, I think, 37 or so. So I'll just read the chapter 37 of, of the book of uh, Matthew. Okay, let me try and connect this thing. So Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, okay, he says that 
but as was the days of Noah, okay? That's how the, the second coming of Christ is going to be like, okay? And we looked at the implications of that scripture. Okay, when the scripture said, as in the days of Noah, that means that you must go back and read what happened during the times of Noah so that you, could un you can understand um, how the second coming of Christ is going to be like the things that precedes the second coming, okay? So um, the first thing that I, wa I want you to look at is that um, when God told Noah that Noah should build an ark, okay, Noah should build an ark, you know, Noah was building the ark and it took a very long time, okay? People were saying that, oh, this man is crazy, he's mad, okay? Nothing is going to happen that way, okay? Uh, no rains are going to fall from the heavens because apparently during their time, okay, the rains did not fall from the sky, okay? Um, what happened was that um, there was a mist that came down from the ground and just watered the, the gardens, okay? So... Um, Noah telling them that rains were actually coming down from heavens was something that they had never seen or heard before. So they did not believe Noah. And the second reason why they didn't be believe Noah was because the time had delayed, okay, for almost 100, 200, 300 years, okay, and, and the floods had not yet come. So they did not believe um, um, Noah. Okay, but the reason why the flood delayed, okay? Let me go into a bit more detail. Was that if you look at Enoch, Enoch is actually the seventh from Adam, okay? Um, Adam gave birth to Seth, Seth gave birth to Enos, Enos gave birth to, um, um, how do you call it? Um, Mahalalel, Mahalalel gave birth to some other people, okay? And when you count up to the seventh person, the seventh person is Enoch, okay? And Enoch gave birth to Methuselah, who, who is the eighth from Adam. Okay, of course, the meaning of Enoch is a teacher or someone who teaches. Okay, and the meaning of Methuselah is actually at his death it shall come. So the meaning of Methuselah means at his death it shall come. That means that at the death of Methuselah, that was when the floods will actually come. Okay, so when you look at the names of the, the first 10 people starting from Adam, Adam said, Enos, Mahalalel, and all those kind, Jared, and all those kind of people to, um, how do you call it, to um, Enoch, to Methuselah, to Lamech, and to Noah. When you look at the names of these 10 people, it is actually uh, a message because Adam means man, okay? Um, Set means appointed. Enos means mortal, okay? So when you look at all the 10, the message in the meaning of their names is that man appointed mortal, but the blessed God shall come. Teaching, that is Enoch. Enoch means teaching. That at his death, that is uh, Methuselah. I said Methuselah means at his death, okay? At, at his death, okay? So man appointed mortal, okay? But the blessed God shall come down teaching that, okay, at his death, Okay, Lamech means lamenting or someone who is who is who is lamenting or lamentation. That is um, um, Lamech, okay? And that is Noah's um, father, okay? So looking at, looking at these critically, you will notice that, you will notice that the names, the names even have a, have a message, okay? But the reason why the flood delayed was because 
um, God was showing what is called the long suffering, okay? The lo that's what is called the long suffering of Christ. That is the reason why Methuselah was the man that lived the longest in the whole Bible, showing God's long suffering because the the land or the the sign that the flood should come was the death of Methuselah. So God made Methuselah live very long so that um, God will extend his long suffering to the people. Okay, so that indeed some of them may change. Okay, and when you look in this dispensation, exactly that's the same thing happening. Okay, you know, some people will say, oh, if Jesus will come, it's been ages, it's been 2,000 years and all those kind of things. Okay, and so why, why hasn't Jesus come in? You know, all those kind of, I'm sure we've heard some of those things, but it is actually the extension of God's mercy and God's long suffering, if you look at it critically. Okay, but at his death, it shall come. Now, I'm going to introduce the concept of typology, which I have done earlier on, okay? Now, as the Bible said that the coming of Christ is going to be as the days of Noah, okay? What I want us to look at is, of course, one, talking about the delay, okay, or the, uh, how do you call it, uh, um, um, what I said, the extension of God's mercy and God's long suffering, okay? That is something we are seeing now. And the other thing we are seeing now is wickedness, because during the times of Noah, wickedness had abound, and we are seeing that also now, okay? And the, the other thing is that when you, when you look at it carefully, you notice that the Bible said people were marrying, giving themselves to marrying, they were eating, they were drinking, they were going about their normal activities, even having forgotten um, that there is something at stake, something very critical and something crucial was at stake. Okay, so that's something that I, I want us to look at. But the other thing that I want us to look at is, I mean, I think I emphasized that last, I mean, the, the last time you met, was, was the concept of the rapture. Okay, and we, we looked at the concept of the rapture. And we said that there was going to be a rapture, you know, before the tribulation. Okay, so we know about the tribulation and all those kind of things we read in the book of Revelation, which makes people scared that, oh God, am I going to receive the mark of the beast and all those scary things, okay? But I, I, I showed us that um, the rapture of the church was going to occur before the tribulation. That is to say that the church is not going to go through the tribulation, okay? We are going to, you know, the church is going to be raptured to heaven. And whilst the church is in heaven for a period of seven years, the tribulation going down, it, okay? At the end of the tribulation, the church will come down with Christ, okay, on earth to come and rule for a period of a thousand years, which, which is called the millennial period, okay? Which is Christ literally reigning on earth. So that is how it's going to be, okay? But when you look at, when you look at, he said that the, the, the coming of Christ is also going to be like the days of Noah. Now, the days of Noah, okay? We noticed that Enoch was raptured before the, the flood. So we see Enoch being raptured before the, before the flood, okay? So Enoch, in that case, we can say um, it's, it's a typology of the church, okay? Because Enoch was raptured before the flood came, okay? The, the other typology I want us to look at is the, the person of Methuselah, okay? Methuselah also is also a typology of the church because we said that the meaning of Methuselah means at his death, the flood shall come. That is to say that when Methuselah died, okay? If you read carefully, when Methuselah died, Within that week, that was when the floods of Noah came. So Methuselah was just the only reason why the flood has not yet come, showing God's long suffering. And that's why he was the one who lived 
for a very long period of time, I think 969 years or, or something like that, okay? Showing God's long suffering. Now, in this dispensation, the Methuselah of this dispensation is the church. That is to say, when the church is raptured, the tribulation begins. So therefore, what is now keeping, what is now keeping the tribulation or what is now, what is keeping God's terror from coming down it, okay? The period of tribulation is just the church, okay? And if you had your Bibles and you, you, you go to Second Thessalonians, okay? I'm trying to connect my Bible, but it's not coming. I don't know. Okay, but when you go to Second Thessalonians, I think I'll read. I'll read for us so that if you have your Bibles, to you can look at that. I want us to analyze it carefully before we come to the, the chapter twenty-five. Okay. So Second Timothy, I think Second Thessalonians, rather. I think um, chapter two. Okay, verse seven. So Second Timothy chapter two, verse seven. Now I'm going to read something over there, and you know when you, when you look at Second Timothy chapter Second Thessalonians rather chapter two, it is a chapter that talks about um, the rapture. Okay, so you, you can take your time and then look at it very well, which which I have explained the last time you met. I talked about the mystery of iniquity, okay, and I talked about the the desolation of the the the, the how do you call it the the desolation of abomination. I'm sure those that joined you, you understood that. You can read this Second Thessalonians chapter two. It will also add more meat to to what we discussed at the time. But I'll jump to Second Thessalonians two verse seven. He said, "For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Okay, only he now let it or let until he be taken away. Now, if if you read the KJV, um, and I mean, you don't take care, you will not understand what's, what is going on. You just get confused about what is this, okay? What is this? But he's saying that, okay, the tribulation is not going to come now, okay? Until only he who now let it or let, or the one who is going to allow the tribulation to come, okay, um, is, 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 is the one who has, who has the the... The, how do you call it? The timelines, okay, to to actually initiate the world into the tribulation period. And when I read carefully, okay, I realized that that is the church, okay, because now the reason why the tribulation has not yet come is because the Holy Spirit is preserving the church, okay. So now when the church is raptured, then initiates us into the period of the, the seven year period of, of tribulation, okay. So that is something that I want us to be aware of. As, as we read. But let's go back to our Matthew chapter um, 25. So you can read the remaining verses, okay? And then uh, move on. But let's let's look at verse 25. Uh, chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. So please open your Bibles. Today I can't share my screen. I think my phone's data is off. But, um, let's see. So Matthew chapter 25. Uh, please give me a minute and let me, let me share my screen here. Let me
This thing is admits. Admits my other code. Okay, so as we are waiting for business, let's let's just wait. let's go to twenty-five. So in Matthew chapter twenty-five, there are only three things that we are looking at, and we are we are very familiar with those stories. Okay, so we have the the ten virgins, and then we also have the parable of the talents, and we also have. Um, the what what is called the the sheep and goats the sheep and goats judgment okay so we are, we are going to look at that okay so let's start so um matthew 25 verse 1 the kingdom of god shall be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom good so there are two or three things that I want us to look at um, in this verse. So the first one is the ten virgins. We want to know who these ten virgins represent, okay? And we want to know who the bridegroom represents. Of course, we are all Bible students, and and I'm I'm sure we know that the the bridegroom is Christ, okay? And if if the bridegroom is Christ, then um, the virgins um, should indicate or represent the church. Okay, so let's let's just assume it like that. Okay, the virgins represent the church um, broadly. Okay, because we are going to look at the, the the difference between the wise and then the foolish virgins. Okay, and the bridegroom is Christ. Okay, and they all took lambs to um, to go and meet the bridegroom. Now, to understand this, you need to see. I mean, understand how the Jews um, celebrate their their wedding feast. Okay. So what they usually do is that um, the the bride, okay, or the, the groom will actually uh, propose to the the bride, okay, that there is going to be a marriage feast or or the, um, the marriage, okay. Unlike this dispensation that we we have the save the dates and then we, we will fix the particular dates, okay, that this is going to be the the wedding. When it comes to the the Jewish traditions, okay, the date for the wedding is unknown. So from the time the man proposes, the woman should be alert and should be ready at any, I mean, because at any any particular time, the guy can come with his family to come and pick you and then take you to their house. Okay, so it's, it's quite different from um, what we see in our dispensation where the two of you are going to date, and on that date, you know, you have the wedding and all those kind of things that's happened these days, okay? But this was very serious because you don't know when the guy is coming. So that means that from that time, you should be ready. You should always have on your white garment, okay? Unlike in our dispensation where you only wear your, the white gown, uh, I mean, during the, the dates of the wedding. But when from the time that you are given the engagement ring, okay, which is called the the arhabon, okay, in the in the in the um, um, Greek, okay, or um, 
what is what, what is in English called the earnest procession. When you read Ephesians chapter 1, okay, verse um, 11, 12, 13, and 14, there is, there is a phrase over there which is called the earnest procession, which is the Ahabon, which is an engagement ring. So from the time that you receive the engagement ring, which symbolically is the Holy Spirit in our dispensation, because Ephesians chapter 1, verse um, 11, 12, 13, say that the Holy Spirit has become our earnest um, um, inheritance. Okay, that's where earnest inheritance over there is an engagement ring. So anyone that has received the Holy Spirit has received this engagement ring, and it is sure and indicative of the fact that the, the bridegroom will come for you. But you do not know the exact time that the bridegroom will come for you. Therefore, you must always be prepared and you must always put on your white garment of righteousness. So if you compare the chapter 25 to the chapter 24, it's all talking about not knowing when Christ will come. I, I hope it's making sense. And of course, I will link it to the, the parable of the talents where the master gave them the, the, the items and the master went to a far country. He never told them when he was coming back. So Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is telling us about how we should prepare adequately for the coming of Christ. Because it can be at any particular time. And in this case, we, we are linking it to how the, the, the Jews have their, their, their wedding ceremony. Okay, So we have received the engagement ring of the Holy Spirit. Of course, the bride is coming. Uh, I mean, the, the groom will come for us, but we do not know the exact time that he is coming. Hence, we must always be ready and we must not be caught on our ways. Okay, so that is... Um, um, a bit of, of course, let me just move a bit into details. So when when the bridegroom eventually comes to pick the, the bride, okay, um, he takes you to to his father's house where they have a party for seven days, okay. That is if um, um, the woman is a virgin, you have the party for seven days. But if the woman has been married before, then the party is going to last for three days, okay. Now look at these women here were virgins, okay? So that means that it was going to last, the, the, the celebration was going to last for seven days. Now, I have already said that when the rapture occurs and the church is taken up to heaven, okay, we are going to have the marriage feast of the Lamb for seven years. And whilst that is going on in heaven, remember that the tribulation will be going on on earth over here, where there is weeping and national teeth. So I want, I want us to, to, to really look, look at that carefully, okay? Good. Let's go to verse 2. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Now you notice that the only distinction between the two, because the two were identical, they were wearing the same thing, they were all virgins, but the distinction between these two sets of people was actually the oil. Now, most of us have been deceived from Sunday school that the, the foolish ones, their oil got finished. That is not true. The verse 3 makes it clear and very clear that they that were foolish took their lamp and took no oil with them. So they didn't have any oil at all. It's not that their oil went to finish on the, on the roadside or something. They did not take any oil at all. And when you have this distinction, when you have this very clear, you now notice who the foolish virgins represent. Okay, and I want us to be very, very clear with it because I, I, I never knew this until I was looking at it yesterday. And so all this while, Sunday school, we've been hearing about this. Okay. Um, we, we've been hearing about this. And um, um, how do you call it? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think we were very 
critical to, to, to look at the vestry the well, okay? See that they took no oil with them, no oil with them. Now, if we consider the oil to represent the Holy Spirit, okay, then that is to say that the wise virgins are the sect in the church that actually have the Holy Spirit, okay? And they represent those that actually have the engagement rank. And they represent those that are candidates for the marriage feast. You see, when, you, when we were looking at Matthew chapter 13, we saw that the church had become very huge, okay? And the woman has hit three measures of living in the bread and the bread has become very huge. That is to say that now you see a lot of people going to church. So though outwardly we all call ourselves virgin, unquote, that is bride, unquote, that is unquote, Christians, but there are those among the sects that call themselves Christian that are really Christians that have the oil and that have the engagement ring and that are the right candidate to enter into the marriage feast. Those that are tagging along, ha, you know, they are tagging along as Christian. They are tagging along holding the lamp that is not filled with oil. You know, outwardly they are wearing white. Outwardly, you know, they are calling themselves Christians. But inwardly, they do not have the spirit of God. And inwardly, they are not part of the sheepfold. The distinction is going to be very critical because they, they might think that they are Christians, but on the last day, they are going to be disappointed because they will go and the door will be shut. And they are, Christ is going to tell them, I know you not. And that is very serious. Now, I'm bringing this up because your salvation, okay, salvation is based on your relationship with God, but not your knowledge of God. A lot of people think that they knowing God is indicative of the fact that they are saved. Wrong. Of course, when you are saved, you get to know God, but just the mere knowledge of God and that God exists. Of course, most of us from Sunday school, we've been hearing God, 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 God. And sometimes we think that that is indicative of the, of the fact that we are saved. No. Okay, salvation is an inward process which has in it one's relationship with God. And anyone that is really born again will exhibit certain fruits. Okay, when you look in your life and you see that, Charlie, the kind of life you are living does not adequately represent God or it's um, a false, um, um, how do you call it, identity or it's not actually representing Christ very well. Check and be sure that you are really saved because you might... Be part of the virgins, all right, wearing your white gown and then um, just having a lamp with no oil in it. Okay, now let's let's go on to verse four. But the wise took oil in their vest in their vessels with their lamps. Okay, and while the bridegroom tarried, now this is the theme for, as I said, for chapter twenty-four and chapter twenty-five. Why is it that the bridegroom is tarrying? The bridegroom was tarrying because, or he was waiting because. He was giving the foolish ones adequate time to purchase oil that they might be parts. You see, and this also agrees with, with um, as I said, Methuselah, who was the, the man that lived long because of God trying to extend his, his long suffering for them so that people might be saved. First Timothy chapter 2 says that it is God's will, it is God's dream, it is God's wish that all men 
will be saved and come to the epignosis, that is come to the true knowledge or come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, so that God, God's will is that all men be saved. He has given us a free will and it is up to us to actually, um, um, how do you call it? It's, it's up to us to actually accept this long suffering of God and actually be saved, okay? Let, let's go to verse five. So while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Okay, verse six. And at midnight, behold, there was a cry made. Okay, and and the cry was that, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Okay, now as I said, the bridegroom represents Christ, and he came at midnight, like a thief, at midnight, a time that no one was expecting. Now midnight also represents the darkest moment of life. Okay, so as you see. When you look in, around the world and you see that evil is abandoned or, or evil is actually peaking, you notice that this becomes the right time for Christ to come because he's coming at midnight, the time that one, no one is expecting, and the time that two, evil actually has multiplied to cover the surface of the earth, as was in the days of Noah, okay? So the midnight becomes the critical period when the bridegroom will come. And of course, there's going to be a cry that the bridegroom cometh. Okay, verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Now, you see, when it comes to the oil, we, we, we do not share the oil. Okay? The oil talks about the Holy Spirit inside of you. Okay? That is your personal relationship with God. That makes you safe. You see, most people want to associate themselves with other people who are saved. Okay? For example... Some people's relationship with God is, is, is through their pastors, okay? They are making their pastors and other people intermediates to God, okay? But when it comes to God, Christ is the only intermediate to God. So you must have your own oil. You must have your own relationship with God. At the last day, your pastor's oil is not going to speak for you. At the last day, you realize that those that were praying for you are not going to speak for you. It's going to be you and God, the relationship that existed between you and God, Okay? And this then brings us to the concept of faith, because when it comes to faith, faith is, as I always say, idiosyncratic, and it's between you and God, no third party, okay? Uh -huh. So so let's, let's be very careful about that, because when the time comes, the oil cannot be shared, okay? Verse 9, but the wise said, saying, um, not so least, there be not enough for us and um, you, but go you rather to them that sell, and buy for yourself okay but remember that the midnight is a time that those that were selling are first of all going to be asleep and it's going to be very difficult to, to get the oil at the midnight okay so that is saying i mean essentially that there is a timeline for salvation okay a time is coming that um the doors are going to be closed as as, as you are going to see eventually let me just read on verse 10 and while they went to buy the bridegroom came Okay, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Those that were ready, you see, as as Christ is coming, as we are preparing for the second coming of Christ, okay, um, there are those that are consciously and actively preparing themselves to meet Christ, okay, and there are those that are just living anyhow, you know, not not making any adequate um, preparation. So we, we have to be very careful about that. You see, it's your own preparation. 
you see it's your own preparation as you are moving up doing all manner of things and you know going to school and then doing other things playing around chilling and then going out and you know watching movies and other things we must have it at the back of our minds that we must always be preparing ourselves to meet to meet our maker okay and verse 11 afterward came also the other virgin saying lord lord open to us but he answered and said verily i say unto you i know you not okay now if um uh, we look at the word i always want to let's we are the verse 12 okay let's look at the word no okay now the word no over there is the word idol okay um if you look at it very well idol which is which is what, what is called an experiential knowledge okay that that knowledge doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that like i don't know you as in i don't know who you are okay but it means that i do not have any relationship with you okay that is, that is one implication of this okay good verse 13 watch therefore for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the son of man cometh so that ends the first phase of the of, of matthew chapter 25 the parable of the of the virgins essentially the virgins as i said represent those who are part of in quotes the the, the visible church okay in quotes the visible church but within the visible church there is a sect of people that are real christians okay when you see a lot of people going a lot of people are going to church a lot of people are going to church you know but the fact that you are going to church does not mean that you are part of the invisible body of christ so we have the visible church which is the outward church which is the church that has grown okay we studied this in matthew chapter 13 the parable of the uh, um, um how do you call it of the leaven the parable of the mustard seed and all those kind of things that we studied okay there are a lot of people in the church and people are doing all manner of things in the church people are using god's name for all manner of things okay but god knows those that are his and those that are his are the wise virgins those that have the oil which represents the signet ring of the holy spirit okay but there are those that are still virgins outwardly claiming to be christian but do, do not have any oil or do not have the holy spirit as the engagement or signet ring okay and when the time comes god will call those that are truly his okay this is the period that we should buy the oil if you know you do not have the oil this is the right time if you wait till the bridegroom comes it's going to be too late for you okay so these are some of the lessons i want us to pick up from the first part okay let's let's quickly go to verse 14 that's the second parable so verse 14 for the parable of the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods now there are three things i want us to pick from this verse okay the first one is that the man was traveling to a far country now the implication of this Okay, the, the implication of this is that is that one. If, for instance, I'm going to, I'm traveling to a far country, okay, and I call my servants to um, deliver unto them my goods, that is um, um, what is called to make them, um, uh, um, to, make, to make them the stewards of my goods. That is to say that, first of all, I have respect for them, okay, because responsibility comes from respect. You see, you should have respect for someone before 
you give that person a certain responsibility. In this case, your, your, your goods. So before you give your goods to someone to take charge or to become steward of it, that means that you must have respect for the abilities of that person because responsibility goes with respect. If you want to respect, you must be responsible. Okay, and if you are responsible, people will respect you. So that is the first thing I want us to know here is that the master had respect for his servants. The master trusted in the ability of his servant. Okay, and the second thing is that he was going to a far country and he never told them when he was coming back. Okay, and three, he didn't give them his phone contacts. Okay, that is to say that he trusted them. He trusted that the people had every ability okay to actually cater for the assignment that he had given them okay and the other thing i want us to to notice here okay let's let's go to verse 15 okay and unto one he gave five talents to another two and to another one to every man according to his several ability and straightway he i mean he took his journey okay now the most important thing in verse 15 is that he gave the gifts according to the abilities of them. So it's not that the master was, um, how do you call it? Um, uh, was what? Which word should I use? Was um, um, I don't even know the, the, the word to use. Okay, or um, he gave one five and he gave another one two and he gave another one. Um, I mean the last person one because um, how do you call it? I, I mean. He, he, he wasn't being uh, equitable or, or something like that, okay? Or he was not being fair or something like that. No, he distributed the goods according to the abilities. So he knew the, he knew the servant very well and he knew the one that had the ability to cater for five and he gave them five. And eventually you notice that indeed he had to give that person five because the person made a profit of five. And the one that he gave one, indeed, he had to give that person one. He even didn't have to give the person anything. You see, it was according to the abilities. Now, of course, we know the master is Christ. We know that Christ has given us talents. Okay, when you talk about talents, of course, in their dispensation, the talents represented um, a certain quantity of gold. Okay, so of course, you, you, you can make that, make that calculation. Okay, but it also means talents as in the talents we know or abilities or skills. Remember that Christ has given most of us or I mean, all of us, certain skills and abilities, okay? And you notice that some people have, God has entrusted some, some people with a lot of things and others too with few because he knows us, he knows the things that we can do, okay? And God will not entrust his precious resource to someone who um, doesn't have the ability to, to or, or someone who is very lazy. And later on, we, we, will, we will see that, okay? So that was the reason why he gave some five and others to and others one according to their abilities okay verse 16 and then he that had received the five went and traded with the same and made five extra you know talents 17 the one that had to also did the same thing he also had two so in effect if, if you have to calculate their efficiency okay so the efficiency here is going to be uh, um, of course that that's going to be five and they made um, five, five, five extra. So they are, we can say they are about 100% efficient, okay? But the one that received, verse 18, but he that received one went dig in the soil and hid the Lord's money. Now, what does this mean? You see, when you talk about it, whenever you read the Bible and you, you see the concept of putting something in it, okay? It actually represents earthly things. 
So that what this means is that this guy has or had allowed the, the things of this world, the affairs of this world to entangle his God-given abilities or purposes. Okay. Now he had allowed the the fun of this world, okay, not to make him um, actually make his uh, ministry or his um, purpose sure. Okay, so of course, and most of us are. If if, if you don't take care, we are going to allow school. We are going to allow businesses. We are going to allow money. We are going to allow, you know, the things of this world to prevent us from fulfilling God's given up. I mean, purpose. Okay. Now we have to be very critical as young people. We have to be very very critical to distinguish our profession from our purpose. Okay, there are some few people that their purpose will coincide with their profession. That's nice. Okay, but there are others that you should know that your profession, okay, is just to give you money. Okay, it's just to give you money so that you can work on your what is called your vocation or your purpose. Okay, now the purpose is something that God has placed in your heart that 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 He expects you to do. Okay, so for example, you could be, let's say an engineer, okay, and maybe open up an orphanage or something like that, okay? Remember, as I always said, purpose is always about other people, not for yourself. Profession is for yourself. Profession is for you to gain resources for yourself. But when it comes to the purpose that God has given you, it's always having other people in mind. <clears throat> so, um, if, if at this stage you've not identified your purpose, you, you have to have it at the back of it because God is going to ask you for that because he has given you something, you must identify it because at the end of the day, he's coming back to ask for it. If he gave you the one and you went to hide it within your profession and you did not allow it to, to, to become profitable, he's going to ask you about that, okay? So let, let's be very careful. Let's, let's distinguish our purposes from our profession. Okay, and, and let's ensure that we work on both equally. Work hard in your profession to get a lot of resources. And the resources that you are going to get, you can push that into um, fulfilling your, 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 your ministry or your, your purpose or your, the, the reason why God brought you here on earth. And as I said, that always has the other people in view. Okay, let's, let's, let's put it. We have about five minutes more to end. Let's put it. Okay, verse 7, verse 19. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reconnect with them. Okay, I think they reconnect. Is it logism? Let me see verse 19. Okay, that is Logos. Okay, summary. Okay. Okay, good. So so that means he came, he came to give up. I mean, for them to give account of it. Verse 20. And the one that we, we know the story. Let me let me just move on. Okay, so. Um, um, I, I just want us to, to look at what the, the master told, um, the one that received the five and the one received the two, okay? He told all of them that, um, thou, okay, no, well done, thou good and faithful servant, okay? I, I want us to look at that. Yes, just zoom a bit into that, that, that report, okay? So as I always say, for me, okay, this, this is what I want God to tell me when I when I come to him. I don't want God to have a lot of questions. God should just say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Full stop. I, I don't know what the aim of your life is. 
But no matter what the aim of your life is, you should always have this at the back of your mind that when I enter into heaven, remember whether you like it or not, you go to heaven. Whether you like it or not, you are going to face God. That ability is going to be one on one. You get it? You know, I, I was talking to someone and the person said that, oh, for me, I was not born into a Christian home. I said, okay. When you go and God asks, God, God asks you, why were you not a Christian? You cannot say that my parents were not Christian. You see, you have to take you have to take responsibility of your life. So when you go to heaven, that's going to be the same thing. You can't say, God, you know, when I was on earth, I was very busy. And then you see the work that I was doing. So because of that, I didn't get time. God will show you someone who was even much more busier than you and did it. And God is going to point out to you that it was actually your laziness and your wickedness. Okay. But he, he told unto them, thou good and faithful servant. Now, you see, the reason why someone will be good, you see, when you talk about good, good goes, I mean, the opposite of good is, is wickedness, okay? The reason why someone will be good or the prerequisite for a Christian being good is when the Christian has seen the goodness of the Lord. You see, when you see how good Christ is, you should be able to extend that goodness to, 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 to another person, okay? So, when you see that, when you see that the, the master is good, okay, when you see that your master is good, when you see that God is good, then you can extend that goodness to other people. Now, let, let me let me contrast it with, with what, what the master said to the, the one that received one. The one that received one, um, he said that, um, okay, you, let, me, let me finish this one. So that, that's the concept of goodness. When you see that your master is good, you also demonstrate goodness to other people, okay? Faithfulness. Now, the concept of faithfulness, when you talk about faithful, faithful means that you are full of faith. That's it, full of faith, okay? So the person who is full of faith is faithful. Okay, what, what does this mean? This means that, okay, you have so much faith in God that you are faithful to him. Those that do not have, oops, sorry. Um, those that do not have faith in God, okay, those that do not have faith in God or those that do not have much faith in God. Let me just. Yes. Those that do not have much faith in God are not faithful to God. So when you see a Christian that is not consistent in his Christian life, when you, see, when you talk about faithfulness, you're talking about consistency. You're talking about someone that is steadfast. You're talking about someone that is immutable. You're talking about someone that is reliable. You're talking about someone that you can sit on, okay? Uh -huh. that, that, is, that is someone we, we call someone who is faithful. So the reason why a person will be faithful to God is because the person has so much faith in God. Those that are not faithful to God, okay, they don't have much faith in God. So the reason why this servant was good was because this servant has seen the goodness in his master. And the reason why this servant was faithful is because this servant had much faith in his master, okay? Now let's, let's go to the, the wicked, the, 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 the other person. He says that, Verse 24, then he that had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. So you see, whereas the other people saw their master as good, this person saw the master as evil, as a hard person. Okay. Uh -huh. So reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not. And I was afraid. And I went to um, hide the, the tile, um, I mean, thy talents in the, in the, in the earth. Lo, um, this is what's I mean, you gave me, okay? 
Then his master answered and said unto them, Thou wicked and slothful servant. So the, the response over here, one is wickedness, and two is laziness or, in quotes, slothfulness, okay? Now, one reason why the guy did not use his talent was because the, the guy had a misconception about his master, and two, the guy was afraid. So fear. And a lot of people are not, are not utilizing their talents because of fear. You see, if you, if you are afraid, um, you, are, you are going to sit on the fence, okay? And, and, and fear is not going to make you um, actually exhibit the things that you are doing, okay? Now, fear, fear actually, the reason why people are also afraid is because you are afraid of other people, okay? God has called you to do something, and you are afraid of what your parents will say, you are afraid of what your friends will say, you are afraid of what other people are going to say, and because of that, you are not, you are not actually making good use of, of your, your, your purpose, okay? So fear is a very important factor, okay? And also your your misconception about the the servant. If I mean the master, if you see the master to be to be um, how do you call it to be wicked, then your response towards him is not going to be um, good. Okay, you are going to be very lazy and slothful, and you are not going to do what he has commanded you to do. We can apply these principles in our workplace. Okay, you realize that if you have a boss and you have a misconception about your boss, you think that your boss is wicked. The eagerness and the zeal with which you you work is reduced. Okay. But if you have this um, positive view about your boss, you realize that you always have this eagerness to do a lot of things for him. So now the question is, how do you, um, or what, what is your conceptualization about God? How do you conceptualize God? If you have the right picture about God, then the purposes that God has given you, you are indeed going to actually fulfill it, okay? So um, I, I think those are the things that I, I, I will just talk about. Now let, let's go to the last part of this of chapter 25 which is the, the sheep and goods judgment okay but say three okay let's go to 32. But say two. so and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from the other as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goat okay so now this is what is called the judgment of the nations now the judgment of the nations implies that every nation will be judged so there's going to be individual judgments and there's going to be national judgments. So Ghana is going to be judged. US is going to be judged. Every country is going to be judged. Okay. When you read the book of Ezekiel, we see God or the Old Testament, the prophets, we see that God actually executes judgments on nations. Okay. So this is one of such um, national um, judgments. Okay. And, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't see the judgment day as uh, something that is funny or a joke. Okay. It's, it's, it's a huge thing that um, I, I want us to always be conscious about, okay? Now, when you talk about the judgment, there are indeed three forms of judgments, okay? Um, what, what we are going to see here is what is called the sheep and goats judgment, which is the judgment of nations. And we are also going to see what is called the bima seat judgment, which is the judgment of individual Christians, where Christians are going to be rewarded with awards, okay? The various crowns that Paul talked about, the crown of life, crown of righteousness, and all those kind of things, okay? And the last judgment is the, is the judgment for the unsaved. That is called the white throne judgment in the book of Revelation. Okay, that one is for those that are not saved. And that judgment is actually the judgment of punishment. Ezra. Okay, so, so let's... Let, that let's, didn't come. Someone's mic is on. Okay, let's, let, let's continue. I just checked the... Um, Venice, can you mute the, the person who's, who's my okay. 
Okay, good. So let's let's end it. So, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goat on his left hand. Okay, so this this is what people read and then they say that oh, in heaven, some people go to the right hand of God and some other people go to the left the left hand of God. Okay, so this is where they they, they get that thing from. Okay, verse 20, 34. Then shall the king say unto them that are on his right, Come ye to my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, ye clothed me. I was sick, ye visited me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the, the righteous themselves, they'll be shocked. They'll say, Oh Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and and gave thee a drink, or saw you as a stranger and we took you in, or naked and clothed you, or sick and or in prison and came unto you. Verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Now, now the question is, which people is he referring to as his brethren? Because let, let us even forget the individual judgment, okay? Of course, you can learn some things from this as, I mean, feed the, 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 those that are hungry and all those kind of things, okay? As, as a personal something, okay? Of course, it's, it's very good. But here, I want us to have the, the proper perception about this, which is a national perception, okay? Now, those that Christ called his brethren is actually the Israelites, the Israelites. So what he's saying here is that any nation that supported Israel is going to have a right standing with God. And any country, and if you like, study history, any nation that tried to destroy Israel, that nation was destroyed. Of course, look at, even let's go to the Old Testament. Let's even look at Babylon. When ba Babylon was, was, was uh, the nation that destro destroyed Israel, we saw what happened to them. Then later on, um, we saw that, um, how do you call it, the, the um, um, Cyrus and then Co and, and of course, Alexander the Great and the Greek, okay, also went to colonize that area. Of course, we know what happened to the Greek Empire. Later on, the, the Romans came in, of course, in AD 70, as I was talking about, it was the, the Romans that destroyed um, Jerusalem completely. Of course, we know what happened to the, the, the Roman Empire, okay? And of course, we can even go into history and, and, and we, we, we noticed what the, the, the Spanish people did to, the, the Spanish people did to, to Israel and you saw what happened to them. We saw what the, the Germans did to them under um, 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 what's this guy's name? Um, Hitler, what he did to the, the, the Israelites, the Jews. And of course we know what happened to the German. That was the reason why German lost its power in, in, in Europe because of what they did to, to, to them, okay? So you can look at history. Of course, I have all of them recorded and I've read all of them. You, you can also look at it. Any nation that stood against Israel was destroyed eventually. Okay. And, and that, that is the reason why, uh, um, um, of course, if, if you look at what is happening in Israel right now, um, the countries that try to support Israel, they are countries that are formidable and countries that God is actually with. Okay. And, 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 and I don't know, I don't know if you know that Ghana, Ghana has this strong alliance with, with Israel, if you know, if you know carefully. And, and I believe that it is it is also one of the reasons why why um, 
and God is God, God is with us. Okay, and of course, aside the fact that Ghana is a is a, is a prayerful um, country that love God, also our relationship with Israel also puts us at the right standing with God. And I think every president of this nation should understand this and extend any form of help to Israel in any little ways that that they can, because that's going to give us a right standing with God. So I think this is where I'll end this session. Of course, um, it's ended rather on, on a political or a, a national view, but of course that is um, the, the, the application of the scriptures as well. So I mean, as much as uh, um, you should know this, you should also, as I said, apply some of the principles in your, in your personal life. When you see someone is hungry, someone is thirsty, of course, someone is naked, you go the extra mile and you, you actually help extend the helping hand to to, to that person okay so i think this is where we will end today and um god bless you all for for participating and um, if you have any questions you can you can ask and we have about a minute or so so that we can address them and then we can see you next time so next next week is going to be our last session on the book of matthew where we look at the crucifixion of christ and then some of the applications we can learn then if God wills, we will rest small and then we will start the book of Romans. Okay. Thank you. Any questions? Okay. So I think um, there are no questions. So let me see. Let me let me call someone to pray with us. And then, and then we'll be out of here. Okay. Yeah. I have Sharon. Sharon, mother, Mama Sharon, today you pray with us. Uh, so, yes, please. Okay. We shall we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us this privilege to study your word, to understand your word. We pray that you would help us have the consciousness of your coming at every point in time. Help us to always be prepared. Help us to understand you so that we will relate with you like you are a good God, so that you will also be able to tell us that we have been good and faithful servants. We pray that you help us to continue to be interested in your word, continue to study your word and apply it to our lives as we'll be transformed by your word. We pray that you continue to bless Bright, that as he teaches, that you also replenish him, you will continue to teach him and guide him in all his ways. We thank you, Father, for our answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.